0: Hey everybody, Legs Malone here. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's Lunch with Legs. I am so sorry that we did not have an episode last week. It turns out that traveling presents its own unique challenges with regards to posting files cross country for one's producer to put together. So, <laughs> anyway, solid learning experience. I sincerely hope it does not happen again. And my apologies to my regular subscribers who are like, uh, where's the podcast? I have to say, the podcast that I was going to post last week is the one that's going up today and it is definitely worth the wait. (laughs) I have to say, being in Seattle uh, where I was uh, last weekend as well as where I recorded this particular episode, Seattle is a really unusual and incredibly beautiful place. As a born and bred New Yorker, I have great appreciation for leaving my fair city and coming home. And I have to say, leaving New York during one of the roughest winters we've had in a while was a welcome, welcome break. And Seattle, man, mm, I love that city so much, and I love the people who are in it even more. And I have to say, the culture there is so free and open. I'm sure there are exceptions. But the group of people that I was very, very fortunate to be with are a whole bunch of free-loving, free-expression, just incredible, incredible people. And I feel incredibly fortunate to not only share with you an interview I had with two of those people, but I am also super excited to share with you the brand new Lunch With Legs theme music. We composed it, well, I didn't compose it, the incredible Nico Tower uh, of... The fine city of Seattle Washington composed it for me one night. I was very fortunate to be crashing at her house and I had not made her acquaintance prior to sleeping in her living room for many days but I feel very fortunate to know her and her partner and I just have to say that girl is one very talented musician and you are about to hear the fruits of her labor in just a minute. If you want to find out more about Nico and her amazing projects composing music you can visit her at one of her two websites, uh, and those websites are Nico Tower Nico Tower is spelled N I C O. Tower is T O W E R music.com. The other one is nicovision.net, and again, Nico N I C O. She's incredible. Please check her out. And if you are a performer or somebody with any sort of audio needs, Do be in touch with her. Her rates are very reasonable, and you will be so, so pleased with what she produces. She's pretty awesome. So, on to the interview. One of the things that I am fascinated by, and actually Dave and I had spoken about this in a production meeting, was beginning to talk about topics on the podcast. Not so much one particular interview with one specific person, but discussing a particular topic. Uh, that we can bring in different people to discuss. And this week's episode is on the subject of polyamory. Now, I was not aware fully of what polyamory was, and I'm still learning about it in an intellectual way. It is certainly not a lifestyle that's for me, but, hey, it is a lifestyle that is for many, many people. And I was very fortunate to be staying with my very good friend, Chelsea Sabara, who is also known as the burlesque performer, Randy Rascal. She is not only polyamorous, but she has actually studied it. She has a degree in, oh, she talks about it in the interview, I don't remember exactly what the degree is, but she did write her final paper on polyamory and social mores and challenges and structures, and it's super, super interesting. So. I thought, hey, I want to introduce, you know, interview her, and then, what do you know, her secondary partner agreed to be interviewed as well, so this is a very, well, I'm just, just going to stop talking about the podcast so you guys can just listen to it. I am so excited for this particular episode because it sheds light on a subject that I am fascinated by and that I knew absolutely nothing about prior to completing these interviews, and I think you're going to be very 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 interested by it all especially if you are interested in all things polyamorous so pull up a chair pour yourself a cup of something good and get ready for part one of this episode there will be two parts part one starring the one and only my dearest sweetest chelsea sabara Want some lunch For your ears Lunch With legs Thank you so much <laughs> for being on this episode of Lunch With Legs. How are you, my sweetheart? I am wonderful. I'm
1: so good, and I'm so glad to be able to do this. It feels like such a happy bit
0: of um, uh, uh, fortuitous circumstance. And timing and everything. I mean, timing is everything.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I am so thankful to be here in Seattle, and thank you again for your hospitality, letting me stay in your beautiful home. Um, My pleasure. (laughs) Love having you. It's amazing. (laughs) Seattle's kind of cool. And I have to say, one of the things I love about Seattle and something that I learned once I started coming here a few years ago was the amazing sexual openness and safety and expressiveness that really seems to be fostered and embraced in this city, especially polyamory. And you and I were talking the other night, and I found out that you have, like, a degree in it, you've written stuff, you're going to write a book, and I was like, (gasps) because we've been wanting to talk about this, because I, I mean, for as much as I hear about polyamory, I don't know squat about it, so this is perfect. Um, so thank you again for coming on because I just want to start peppering you with questions.
1: <laughs> awesome, um, it's going to be an assault. <laughs>
0: no, no, no. <laughs> I can't, I can't turn off the pun thing. That's so just fine. edit I, that out. No, that that's fine. I, th- I think this is going to be, <laughs> it's going to be puntastic. Oh,
1: I get. I did. I, I was talking about.
0: So my first question, which again, unintended pun. What would you? How can you describe what polyamory is for a? Layman, yes, no pun intended. But yes, what what um, would you describe or define polyamory as?
1: Well, fortunately, through the course of my research, I had to answer this question a lot, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of people, um, because we don't have an existing uh, cultural um, r- kind of rubric for understanding how. Uh, people might engage this way, um, a lot of times it gets lumped in with other types of non-monogamous relating like swinging um, or open marriages or cheating or, uh, um, uh, oh my God, uh, po- uh, polygamy, mm. which is really most often uh, polygyny and rarely polyandry. But um, So all of these things exist, but um, polyamorous do things a little bit differently and um, it's important to make those Distinctions. Um, the word polyamory is actually a, a kind of it'll grate on your nerves if you're a, if you're a linguistics geek, but it's a mashup of um, Greek and Latin roots. Um, poly meaning many and amory love, right? Um, and uh, literally, um, it just well distilling it down what it for me what it what it really came down to is maintaining openness mm. to multiple simultaneous intimate love relationships. so you may be a polyamorous person or a, of a polyamorous bent and whether or not it's an orientation goes back and forth but um, the 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 just the act or the state of maintaining openness to Multiple simultaneous relationships is what I conceive as polyamory,
0: whether you're acting on them or not.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. All right. Well, that's. I mean, it's it's interesting to hear. I saw a few days ago, I was talking. I was actually talking to my producer, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna do do something about uh yeah, Poly whatever the multiple married to multiple women." Of course, now I'm blanking because all I'm seeing is polyamory in my head. Um, <laughs> but he was like, "Oh, that's not quite what we were talking about earlier." I was like, "Oh right, 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 shit, <laughs> wrong, wrong." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm curious, you, because you wrote about. I mean, and your your research is ongoing, although you've left academia. Yeah, um,
1: I I found it very frustrating, and I, I think a lot of people would empathize uh, who have tried to do social research in the structure of academia. Um, the overlay of um, scientific processes on top of um, human. Experience mm. um, is sometimes not. It's it's not only that it doesn't fit very well, but it can actually be counterintuitive mm. to uh, getting to truth. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to get to truth. And what science often does, even in even in social sciences, um, is um, places uh, this distance between the researcher and the subject. Mm-hmm. Um, and a- anthropology, which is where my uh, where my studies happened, is is much much better about this than it used to be. But um the idea that you can um kind of participate um in a in a surface way and remain maintain your remove and kind of write about these things in an objective way is actually um counterproductive to getting at the the essence of being in these states mm. living these things mm-hmm. and um there's been a huge autoethnographical movement in the past you know pretty well, for a long time, but in the past 10 years or so, there's been a lot of push towards autoethnographical work and just writing about what you are instead of traveling to someone else's culture and trying to learn about what they do and then filter it through the filters of your understanding.
2: Right, right, right.
1: Um, And that's how I got started doing this research, actually, was uh, my advisor was wonderful, and she said, uh, you know, you you need to write about what you do. You need to just put yourself in this research fully Mm. um which uh you know i like to say i got credit for screwing around but but, uh the the amount of writing that went with it makes any any fun just kind of evaporate (laughs) on the balance (laughs) it balances itself out (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: um yeah yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, what how did you find out about polyamory? How did it come into your life? Oh, that this interesting um because
1: I was just talking about this the other day with my secondary partner and um a common experience among poly people is thinking that you invented this, mm. like coming to this on your own, like you you you're like, "Well, I I I don't mind you know sharing my partners with other people and I guess that makes me a swinger or a slut or I I don't but but what if what if I was like okay with it and we all knew about it and we all talked about it like like that would be really awesome wouldn't it that would be cool and you kind of have this you think you invented it for mm-hmm. a while mm-hmm. and then something happens and you stumble into somebody who has this word polyamory and you say, Oh my God, what's that? And then you realize all of a sudden that there's like a whole world of people who came to the same, uh, conclusion Conclusion on their own. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, for me, how it happened was, um, I, I had always forever, I had been a non-monogamous person. I've never had a monogamous relationship in my life. It never just, it just didn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, um, my, uh, actually, I remember getting in trouble. My mom <laughs> yelled at me because I had a, uh, a Ken doll living with two Barbies in the house. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, she said that they, they weren't all allowed to be married. Really? Yeah. So it had to be just two of them. Holy shaming from an early <laughs> from the <age>. beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and I'll yeah, I'll tell you my coming out story about her at some at some point. That's, yes. Yeah. That is that is a hilarious bit of uh, social <laughs> social reality. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and I I was just kind of you know in these we were kind of you know swingery kind of just we had friends that we would sleep with but we were still friends and like there was like different weird feelings and then my friend um. Moved. She had moved to Phoenix, and we were just chatting to catch up. And she's like, "Blah blah, I'm Polly," and I was like, "Oh, well, what? What does that mean? You know?" And here we are. And she explained the whole thing, and it was just like, oh.
2: <laughs> "I see the light." Yes.
1: <laughs> That's it. You mean there's already people, so it's great. Yeah. Wow. So she kind of helped me understand all the, the ins and outs. Again, no pun and intended. Then ins again. <laughs> We're I I mean, emphasizing. you know it's fun to talk about sex here, but the, really the the biggest difference I think between poly and swingers is uh an emphasis on deep uh kind of not an i mean you can have these kind of shallow sexual interactions, but uh the it's this it's this more romantic connection mm. um you know you're not you're not seeking s- solely sexual connections in the way that swingers mm. often do um you're you're actually seeking cultivating relationships in a way that you would if you were a monogamous person
0: yeah i mean it i have to say it sounds like it could be a lot of maintenance i mean like the communication oh my god yes. i mean total i mean constant open channels of communication mm-hmm. cuz i can imagine i mean i've heard a lot of sort of i mean i guess polyamory stories gone a bit sour you know, yeah. because if there's withholding of information, if there's, you know, yeah. jealousy, the, I mean, it, just, it sounds like it's, you know, if if you're poly, I imagine there to be a huge amount of responsibility and quite a bit of work, no? Yeah. It, it depends on the people involved as always, but um, when
1: you add course. more, uh, more factors, you know, if you, if you have a, a three people involved in a relationship, let's say, and you've got, um, you know, you, you don't just have uh, the two relationships going on, you know, let's say you, you know, you've got a V, which is a pretty common thing where two people are dating one person and they may or may not have other relationships. You've also got the relationship between those two people to manage
2: mm-hmm. and these
1: extra dynamics come in. And it's often said, um, in the poly community that love is not a limit re- limited resource or love is not a starvation economy, but time is a limited resource. Yes. So you may have the capacity to love a great number of people, but you only have so many hours in the day and you have to at some point, I mean this is why have to some
0: point take a break and have lunch. <laughs> have lunch <laughs> with legs. <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> or a glass of water or yeah. a nap. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah,
1: and a lot of a lot of folks, you know, they managing their relationships is like that's the fun of it for them. I'm not one of those people. Um I I but but I but I see a lot of people who enjoy the work of it. It's like that is, you know, wonderful for them. They love like getting into the nitty-gritty of inter- interactions authentically relating to people, you mm-hmm. know, is a big part of it. Um so uh, so yeah, it is it is a it is a bunch of work, but you you're dealing with all of these <sighs> You have all of these uh, deeply ingrained um, rules about how you're supposed to relate. You're supposed to, you know, keep things secret, and you're not supposed to tell that you know. And we're taught this so heavily from the beginning that you do so much work to unlearn that stuff. Yeah. And then on top of all of that, like, you mean, you just... To do it right, you really gotta have your shit together. You gotta be a grown up and you gotta be able to know what you're feeling and be able to ask for what you want and also be okay if someone can't give that to you.
2: Mm. Um,
1: and that is just super hard. It's just really, really hard. And it's, um, you know, one of the things I really love about Polly is it forces you to confront that stuff and work on that stuff because you can't get away with it. Right. You can't get away with bullshitting yourself um, or bullshitting your partners um, if you want to have a
0: successful poly relationship. Wow. That sounds like a real agent of truth. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It makes you do a lot of soul searching. Understandably, my goodness. I mean, the whole concept of the sacred mirror, which is one of my favorite things to talk about and, you know, share with people Mm -hmm. or just, you know, have that exchange is you can only see what's in yourself through the mirror of Mm, others or rather, you know, you can only recognize in others what is already present within yourself. So I Mm -hmm. imagine it to be a real, I mean, in a, in, in, in a positive sense, you know, a real evolutionary sort of catalyst in Mm -hmm. a way, like for the evolution of your own soul, of your sort of attachment to people, to situations, to Mm -hmm. things. But I imagine that to be very challenging to it. Um, I mean, the polyamory sort of approach to be very challenging to those very staid human tendencies, as mm-hmm. it were. Um, but at the same time, I imagine it's, yeah, that's a real pot stir. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, a good thing. And, if, you know, for some people, like, I, I consider
1: it a non-optional thing, basically. It's just kind of part of how I'm wired. But, um, y- you know, uh, we're always making trade-offs in all relationships. Monogamy is hard, but if you make compromises, it can work. Mm-hmm. polyamory is hard but if you make compromises it can work <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and, if, and it's it's really just about your priorities and where your different sets of of, of compromises are
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and it, ev- everything everything takes work if you want to have a rec- uh, re- uh, successful relationship then um, you know you better be prepared to work
0: <laughs> yeah yeah seriously yeah um, now speaking of relationships you're married I am recently actually. Yes, it's a beautiful beautiful. It's jade, right? It's jade. A yeah. Jade ring. It's yeah. so beautiful. Well, thank you. Um and so you have a husband and you guys are both poly.
1: Yes. Yeah, we actually met as a result of my research, <laughs> which was Great. Now, this is God bless was, scientific <laughs> method. Well, no, this is this is totally this is exactly what uh what I was saying before about, you know, kind of putting yourself in the research because it's it's weird uh to think that you know dating your subjects might actually be better mm-hmm. for this kind of research than than not um because of this this existing scientific framework um but it it really kind of is in a way like if you place yourself as removed and not dateable then that kind of that kind of makes it weird right mm-hmm. that like places this hierarchy on top of it when all you really are is just two human beings trying to figure shit out together
2: yeah
1: um and uh, my, my current husband, uh, we, we met, um, I was dating a girl actually and um, during the research, and I said, you know, I feel like I'm getting a lot of demographic homogeneity with my uh, respondents. I'm getting largely white, middle-aged, middle-class folks um, employed in the technology sector, um, and uh, you know, is that, is that accurate, or is that... You know, kind of more. Um, is is it the way that I'm going about finding these people incorrect? Or, mm. And she said, "Oh, sweetie, I'll take you to a party." Wow. <laughs> like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> so I go with this. I mean, I was, you know, she's gorgeous, and she takes me to this party, and um, there's all these people that are just like, you know, some combination of like hippies and and like tech people and like, you know, everybody looks pretty much, you know, average and then you're snug, there's people snuggling and I'm like this is great, all different ages, all different sizes. I'm like oh, this is awesome. Um, and while I was there, I I uh, met this really cute boy who had also uh, gotten his degree in anthropology. Mm. And he was very excited to talk to me. Actually, his partner at the time is the one who was like you got to talk to this girl. She's doing a project in <laughs> anthropology. Um, and then we uh, we did an interview and then about Six months later, he called me and said,
0: "Do you want to come to a party I'm throwing?" <laughs> huh? And I said, "Sure." <laughs> no. Um, yeah, and and you guys were just married this past year, no?
1: We were married in November. In November. Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. It was. It was a wonderful,
0: wonderful event, and was, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. And now, in addition to your husband, I mean, you have a secondary partner. Yeah, I do. Um,
1: I. Uh, had recently declared that I had no time or space for any additional partners, and so that meant that I was immediately going to meet someone of course because uh, that 's how these things work. <laughs> the universe loves that sort of green light <laughs> no yes yes exactly that 's what that 's what happens um and uh he um Oh God, it's so complex. This is where we get into this whole poly business. It may not, it may not be relevant to the poly whole poly puzzle. Poly puzzle, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because there's a, there's a lot of like this person dated this person and then this happened and blah blah blah. Um, and, but anyway, yes, uh, he and uh, he and I have been seeing each other and things are going really well and just kind of
0: going with it. <laughs> That's awesome. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess one of the things with polyamorous relationships, there's no real, I imagine it's more the, the tenets of the polyamorous lifestyle, but it's iteration into, you know, actual real life, you know, pairings, uh you know the different combinations of people that you can have are are dependent on the people in the relationship does that make sense like <laughs> i'm tripping over my tongue a little bit I'm, i have i have i have all these things i want to ask you about um but in the sense that i mean there's no one way to have a polyamorous oh no relationship. definitely not it they, sort of seems counter yeah, intuitive yeah. and productive to the whole if philosophy. there
1: are n number of poly people, there are n plus one ways to do polyamory, mm-hmm. um, and that's cool. That's totally fine. We get a little bit um, in in poly. We get these uh, much uh, these neologisms cropping up a lot. What's uh, a neologism. Uh, a word that you create. Ah, okay. okay a new okay. word. Yes. Um, and uh, there's actually there's an there's an essay. There's not a lot of good scholastic research. Um, on poly, but w- there is an essay out there um, called "There Aren't Words for What We Do," so we have to make them up,
2: mm.
1: and it's kind of addressing the silliness of some of the words that you get uh, when when uh, you're talking about poly relationships. So there's, you know, compersion, your paramour, your metamour. Um, I mean, it, I know, it, but what's a compersion? <laughs> what's <that>? <laughs> 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 um, compersion is. Um, the sense of joy that you get out of your partner getting joy from from one of their other partners,
2: oh. and
1: it's a very—if you've ever experienced it—it's a very distinct type of feeling. Um, you know, your 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 partners on a date, and you are just so happy for the fun that they're gonna have on this date. Wow. <laughs> and it's like I don't know, and there's just no there's no word. Really existing for that? Oh, there, there was one that was like—it's—it's uh, a—it's a gross word, though. It sounds like something you'd want to see a doctor for. <laughs> and compersion, <laughs> as awkward as it is, is infinitely preferable it's to not as medical Agrippa or something like that. Oh, it sounds. Jesus. Yeah, it, I forget what it's called, but it sounds just not like something you'd want to say. Um, and then, yeah, you have all these like. Is paramore primary and metamore secondary? Um, Your. Let me, let me make sure I get this correctly. Cause I don't actually use these because I feel silly, of but you um, your, your metamor is your, your partner's partner. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh um, <laughs> because, how, because you get tired of saying my partner's partner, yeah, my course. partner's partner, you know, <laughs> like, my metamore. Yeah. But it's so, it's, and then you get it. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's geeky and awkward and, but it's, uh, but they, the, you have to like, how do you say this? We don't have,
2: yeah.
0: a, we don't have words for this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we have to make them up. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm I'm really looking forward to the second part of our conversation coming up, where I will be interviewing both you and your husband and your secondary partner, yes?
1: Well, my husband may or may not be in on it, but okay. we <laughs> we might be able to grab no him. No pun intended. Oh, God. I'm sorry. 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 sorry.
0: Um,
1: yeah, he... he, he... <laughs> You might be
0: cooking. You might be too busy cooking. No worries. Well I mean we'll 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 go upstairs for the for the second part of this. But just um one on one, is there anything else that you want to express before we bring in um other people into the discussion? You mean before we open our discussion? Yes, yes, thank you. From the
1: monogamous state that it is currently in. That is correct. (laughs) All of that is correct. Yes. Um, let's see. I, I don't know. I would say, you know, um, there's a lot of information out of there, out there about Polly. There's not as much as there should be. Uh, we need more people living it and writing about it. A lot of the stuff that exists out there is, um, of the self-help variety and it spends a long time convincing you that it's okay to want to do this. Um. And I'm like... I know it's okay. That's why I bought the book. Now what? Yeah. You know, um, so more kind of lived experiential um, discussion is necessary, and and um, you know, talking to people and 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 all of that. And oh, oh, that's that's right. I was going to tell you my my coming out story. Oh yes, to yes, my yes, yes, mom. Yes, perfect, perfect, perfect. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> this is perfect because I, I had told her that I was bi, you know, many years ago, and she. Uh, she's very conservative as many of our parents are she's a very conservative person and she took that surprisingly well mm. um she th- still thinks it's a cute phase i'm going through at 31 <laughs> years of age but that's fine that's fine with me um <laughs> but the poly coming out was very telling because um she had been uh in she was unhappy in her marriage mm. and she and i have a very close relationship we talk about all kinds of things um and she had not had sex in a year, and was unhappy, and was telling me about this. She's like, I haven't had sex in a year. I'm thinking about taking a boyfriend. I'm so frustrated. I think I'm going to take a boyfriend. And so, in this moment, feeling close and feeling like here's an opportunity, um, I decide to tell her that, you know, in fact, you you could do this in a way that is open and ethical and that and healthy and and it can be okay. She flipped. <gasps> Out. Did she? Lost it. Totally lost it. And s- s- just was yelling at me. Oh, my <laughs> God. How can you even call what you do marriage? It's not even a marriage. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. So this this was interesting um, because, uh, you know, it, there's a, an accepted structure for cheating, you know, for being unhappy in your relationship and sneaking around and and screwing other people. Mm-hmm. But bringing up doing it when you talk about it and it's okay and everyone's aware is so threatening mm-hmm. to that that model mm-hmm. that um that it it causes this kind of reaction. Wow. And that was just it just blew my mind. It was just absolutely um Absolutely amazing from a from a, an anthropological standpoint. And Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, my goodness. <laughs> but we're
0: okay now. <laughs> you know, cool. we just kind of don't talk about that part of the thing. It's still very triggering like for many her. people. I just, yeah. Or she, it's just she, maybe it's something she won't ever accept. I mean, yeah,
1: I I just kind of, I just kind of leave out details about that. And I think a lot of us uh, who, you know, have parents who don't approve of different facets of our lives, we, at some point as we get older, we just kind of let it go, you know. Yeah, yeah, you you just preserve the peace and stuff. But the relationship is good and, and, uh, um, you know, maybe slowly over time, like, like with the bisexuality thing, maybe over time she'll chill out and
0: we'll, we'll get back to being able to talk about that part. <laughs> wow. wow. Very cool. Thank you for sharing that. That's really, that's super interesting.
1: <laughs> I just think, yeah, I think
0: it's so, I mean, from it's a so research funny. standpoint, that's amazing.
1: Yeah. It tells, I mean, that single interaction tells you like what the, like how, how deep and personal the fear is of this. You know, she said, well, "Well, what do you do? Threesomes?" And of course, two hours later, I had the best comeback for that. <laughs> I should have said, "Well, yeah, if there's only three around," but uh. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I couldn't think of it at the time. But like, but that's the thing. She she understands cheating. She understands threesomes.
0: She you know maybe understands. Uh, that's the, like sort of socially aware I mean yeah people talk about that it's like oh, they're the perversions. There's yeah. three of them in the bed together.
1: <laughs> right. And even in even, you know, talking to people who, who aren't as as conservative, um, you know, they they still kind of like trip over this idea that like, oh, so do you all do you all like sleep together? Are you all dating each other? And then like, you end up drawing diagrams and there's all these <laughs> various polygons on uh, <laughs> a piece of paper and, and there we are the atomic
0: structure of a relationship <laughs> yes, very much My so goodness.
1: orbitals oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. awesome, cool Well, I look forward to, uh, to chapter 2 of this conversation me too, thank, thank you I love. <laughs> well, there you have it folks, that's the end of part 1 now we are going to shift gears and move into part 2 Of this particular episode and this uh, next part of the show is an interview with both Chelsea and her secondary partner Nate. Uh, Nate whose full name is Nathan Kleiber is a family law attorney based in Portland and although he deals with a lot of divorce cases he is actually quite interested in creating conscious family formation law. Um, I'm sure that's not the correct way of saying it, pardon me, I'm not a lawyer, Um, but he is interested in about creating conscious partnerships as opposed to only dissolving them. As you all know, divorce is very, very common in our society, Um, but anyway, enough about that. Here, let's go ahead, shift gears a little bit, now here is Chelsea and Nate. All right, here we are, part two with the polyamory episode. Uh, with the beautiful Chelsea and her secondary partner Nathan, how are you? I'm all right. Hanging in there?
3: Yeah, it's a pretty good day today.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Seems like Seattle. <laughs> I just, it's a, I don't know, it's I like a very Seattle day today. It is very rainy.
3: Including yeah. crappy traffic. Really bad. Oh traffic. no! <laughs> yeah, it's <was> terrible.
1: Terrible.
0: <laughs> oh dear.
1: I think that's the problem. Keep up. The, don't tell them. Don't tell the the people about the uh, the nice weather though. We we keep up the myth. We encourage the myth. Otherwise, everyone would move here.
0: It's a beautiful tropical day. I mean, it's pouring rain. It's, it's so annoying. It's miserable. Dismal. It
3: You'll sense. probably want to kill yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or write grunge music.
3: <laughs> Six of one. <laughs>
0: Thank All i got to say is thank God for your coffee here. It is right. so good, right? Holy that is what? true. That myth Holy is absolutely true. Did you have your mind true.
3: blown a little bit?
0: Um, I ha- Not this trip yet. Oh, okay. Um, but I do... I think you took me to Vivace. Vivace. Oh. And I and need like, to go back there. <gasps> I've actually had friends yeah. text me from New York be like, uh, have you been to Vivace yet? <laughs> like, not yet. This trip. But you did <laughs> take me there last time, and it was a- amazing. It's very important. It is. I think... We'll have to. I'll have to. You know, make that part of the itinerary. In my last yes. remaining days here in Seattle. Yeah. Um, now I am so thankful for this to be a uh, three-person conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a knowing eye look, considering you we were drowning in puns during the first part of this <laughs> interview. Um, but um, Nathan, I would love to talk to you and learn more about your personal legal practice. Oh. Um, and then, but also open up about, you know, a polyamory discussion. What is it like being a secondary partner? Chelsea, what is it like having two partners? I mean, I just, I I don't know shit about this. And so, again, I'm just, I'm totally open to hear what you guys have to say. Because this is, again, no pun intended, virgin territory.
3: Ha! <laughs> <laughs> uh, where would you like to start?
0: Uh, start wherever you want to begin.
3: Well, okay. Um, I mean, the legal practice should be the less interesting part, so I'll get that out of the way. Um, <laughs> I am an attorney. I have uh, practiced family law. Um, we are, of course, in Washington State, so please, nobody out there, uh, generalize from this. None of what I'm about to say is legal advice. Yes, I actually have to say I things like that. love how you
0: lawyers cover your asses. Well, they always we say that, to. don't it's, they? No, it's true. It's, true it's, like, it's hilarious. It's, it's legitimately necessary.
3: That. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I've been doing family law for about five years altogether, um, and that's uh, mostly you know divorces, you know, child custody disputes, and that sort of thing. But you know, pretty much I imagine what people think of um, as a long-time polyamorist. I don't think I've ever referred to it that's that way. That's really weird. You like that? Poly um, person. A poly person. Polyamor man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sorry. There are words now. for what we do, so we have
1: to make them up. Uh,
3: that's, that's pretty much the theme of the entire lifestyle. No, that's what I'm saying. Right.
1: That's what I'm saying.
3: Um, but uh, uh, I've been, uh, over the last year or so, as a, as a longtime polyamorist, I've identified as poly for about, Jesus, about 12, 13 years now. Oh, wow. Um, and, you know, and I'm, I'm constantly dealing with disassembling these basically monogamous or monogam normative,
0: monogamy if, monogamy if normative. That word. I love oh, that one oh, monogam normative. normative that which, is 7 syllables which, then you can get hetero oh
3: you totally can yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. that's 10 syllables yeah, yeah. You 10
3: dollar yeah. words up in up in Seattle it's all basic, the time
0: damn it's, it's german yeah, I was just about to say, <laughs> normative. Say that five times fast. I'll see you in an hour. <laughs>
3: um, um, uh, uh, and, and and actually, because, you know, I mean, marriage in this country, as we all know, is sort of a, a slow-to-change institution, which is actually probably a good thing in some ways, um, you know, it's it's very normative. It's very based around the notion of monogamous and, and two people. You can't have a marriage with more than two people and, you know... Uh, I have for a while been working on this sort of notion that one should be able to, or people should be able to, uh, you know, kind of arrange their relationships however they want, you know, and and if more than two people want to engage in a marriage, they should be able to. Mm -hmm. And I'm not actually convinced that marriage is a good thing in any way. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm very happy that gay marriage is starting to spread, and, you know, same-sex marriage is, is becoming legitimate in so many places, and... I, I do feel sorry for same-sex couples because I think that they, they, it's it's not necessarily a great thing to have been given. It's uh, I'm I'm not sure it was a good reward for all the hard work. Um, so I've been, uh, there's, I've been
1: <laughs> there's better things to do as as a married person. Right there, there are better ways to honor your relationship than getting married. Yeah, much mm. better. Mm.
3: Um, and so I've been thinking a lot. Um, in in the poly community, there's a, a lot of conversations happen and a lot of, of uh, a lot of talk about, you know, intentionality and doing things on purpose and deciding how we want things to be and, and then making them that way in terms of how we do our relationships rather than uh, working with the assumptions that we, most of us, are pretty much raised with. Um, so I, I have been working with this notion that one could assemble a marriage-like relationship, sort of marriage a la carte. There's mm. a whole set of different rights and responsibilities that come with marriage and I think that that can be emulated, and one can pick and choose the bits one wants through doing things like, you know, you know, forming an LLC with your your partners, um, you know, living wills, uh, you know, powers of attorney, and all sorts of different things that weren't really meant to apply to this part of the world, but could be, I want to say cobbled together, but I would like to think that it would, I could eventually develop it into something that's not, you know, bailing wire style. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so I'd like to help people with family formation, sort of intentional families and intentional communities. And it's sort of a, an idea in its infancy as far as my career goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are people doing it. Um, there's a woman in New York, uh, in New York City, I think. I know in the state of New York. I don't remember if it's in uh, the Big Apple proper, um, who is, who is? you know, her practice is, is largely based around this. I, I've forgotten her name uh, right now. Um, so it's happening. it's out there, and uh, so that's that's where I'm trying to take my practice,
0: yeah i mean when when we were talking just before we started recording, you said family formation mm-hmm. um and that's I mean that's such a fascinating it's a, it's incredible to me to think that we have you know all of this legal structure in place to dissolve relationships as opposed mm-hmm. to consciously forming mm-hmm. them, I mean, yeah. as recognized under the jurisdiction of the law
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah there um there were a few uh long term um Triads, and i guess i I can only think of the they were i guess they were all triads in my research um, who had done something similar to this. they had kind of cobbled together you know the uh the privileges that marriage imparts uh via other documents mm-hmm. um, and some of the one of the tragic things about that is that there's there's nothing as strong as just marriage you know mm-hmm. um, so there there were you know there was one instance where there's i mean these guys had been together, like, 23 years or something like that. They were a triad been together for 23 years. And uh, the it was a female and two males, and uh, the female was in, uh, injured. She broke her leg, and then during surgery, something went wrong, and it was really touch-and-go. It was, like, life-threatening. Oh, Jesus. Um, and uh, the hospital—I mean, here in Washington State, you know, um, which— is blue in some places and not I've in others. red in others. Yeah. Um, and uh, they may have ended up in the, the wrong side of it, but the um, the hospital wouldn't wouldn't let her her. She was married to one of the people, uh, one of the the partners um, legally, and the other one they'd done all the every document you could to try to like make him also equivalent. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and they wouldn't they wouldn't let him in to see her.
0: Wow.
1: Um, and it was uh, it was a real was a really sad moment. I mean, she was fine. She lived. She lived. She was good. fine. Yeah. And I uh, lived enough to interview. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. About it. But, but yeah. So there's, there's, uh, I think that that kind of work is, um, a, a really important area.
3: I, I hope that it will come to be. I mean, I still haven't figured out quite how to do it. Like, this is, I mean, New, really new for me, and I think kind of new as a concept generally. Is that about
1: Polly? <laughs> we still haven't really <laughs> no, quite figured no, nobody, out nobody knows how, how, to, actually how to do this. <laughs>
3: um, yeah, and it's actually interesting to talk about the, the rights and responsibilities and, and the, the, the structure mm-hmm. that comes along with dissolving uh, marriages. And the interesting thing is, I mean, there's really just as much structure that goes into getting married. I mean, there's a tremendous True, amount.
0: The paperwork mm-hmm. and the. It's
3: just, well, there's a lot less process though so you don't like when you're getting divorced you know i mean you know what's going on like the rules and you learn a whole bunch about what being married meant Mm -hmm. when you get divorced that you don't that you don't have to know to get married and that's kind of a Mm -hmm. messed up thing too like i i would love to see more um greater transparency or I, i hesitate to you know require people to take classes before getting married or something but i think it Really, oh, no, really
0: counseling, uh, that's that's essential.
3: Pre-marriage counseling, yeah, I think it's, it's it's a great idea. And I didn't do it before I got married, and I am no longer well, married. <laughs>
1: someone to sit down and say, do you realize, like, this is what you're doing? Like, we have this mm-hmm. romantic idea of marriage, but mm-hmm. what it really is is a business contract. It really yeah. really and, and the overlay of that over a romantic relationship is super uncomfortable and awkward and weird and and that's a lot of times when the when the reality comes crashing down is like you know um you know like what do people fight about right you know they fight about money and um and these things that kind of happen as a result of the business arrangement that you ventured yeah. into
0: mm-hmm. i remember hearing um this one counseling uh, uh some friends of mine were getting married and one of the questions was what would you do if your partner um, got into an accident and was paralyzed from the neck down? Mm-hmm. What would you do? How would you how would you handle that? And they were like, "What? You know, I mean, like that was just that had never entered, you know." But it was that's a really important question to ask.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. all, I mean, there's all sorts of things, and, and nobody, nobody, very few people, I think, put nearly as much thought into what what they're really getting themselves into. Yeah, um, and and you know then it like you said, comes crashing down once it start, you have to start disassembling it and you suddenly realize what it was that you built. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I think, I think that, that, I actually think that, uh, you know, pairs, even monogamous pairs could benefit a lot from potentially getting out of the marriage, uh, I dare say racket,
0: um, <laughs> and, and getting
3: into doing it a little more on purpose and a little I, more intentionally.
0: I have to say, um, and then I want to sort of uh, shift the conversation mm-hmm. back to polyamory, but I would love for marriages to come up for renewal. Like any oh, other contract, yeah, yeah. you know, would be like,
1: yeah, like hand,
0: hand fasting.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, which is a pagan tradition. Um, year and a, day. a year and a day, traditionally. Ha. Huh. Yeah, um, and uh, my husband and I incorporated elements of that um, in our marriage. Um, it was a
3: beautiful ceremony. It I did not say that lately. <laughs> we
1: we didn't do we didn't say year and a day. We we made. Essentially, uh, you know the the standard commitment, but um, it but the element, the idea of hand fasting is a is a very, um, it's a very powerful one, I think. You know, because mm-hmm. then you can you can actually take some time to think about this. You're not allowed to go to Vegas and do it over a weekend, right? You know, you have to think about it for a year. And if you
0: still want to be with this person in a year, okay. Yeah, proceed consciously. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so to bring uh, the conversation back towards polyamory. Um, I would love to know, first, how you got exposed to it, <laughs> um, but then, secondly, um, how, like, what is it, I mean, for your guys' particular relationship structure, I would love to know what it's like to be a secondary partner.
3: Wow, those are two big, big questions. Big questions. Um, So, how I got to be poly I wasn't exposed to it. I invented it. Um, like, I, this is like, what a I lot exactly. people, A lot of people invented it. And, and it turned out a bunch of other people were doing it and doing it better than, than I was when I invented it. Um, the, the way that it happened, if I can tell the story quickly, um, I in college fell in love with this girl. And I really fell in love with her. And I was at the time, I was, well, I was, I believed in monogamy, but I sucked at it. I cheated on almost every partner I had. So I've always had a wandering eye and, uh, and you know, been a, a bit of a philanderer. Uh, and then, you know, just hated myself for it. Um, and I met this girl in college and, you know, in movies when they say, you know, how, how do you know when you meet the one that's like the right one? And they, the answer is always the same. Said, you just know. Mm-hmm. And I, and I just knew, I just knew that this was the girl. And, um, one of the only partners I'd had, like, I never cheated on her. One of the only, only people I had, uh, when I was trying to be monogamous and doing a bad job of it that I didn't ever, there was no infidelity on my part. She, however, cheated on me a whole bunch, Mm. Um, and she was not the first, and and she was not the last, actually, but uh, she she did it repeatedly, and interestingly, I was, when I went into the relationship, very not a virgin, and she was a virgin, and so, um, you know, I ended up in this weird place where she was cheating on me, and I found myself going, wow, I want to be with this girl for the rest of my life, and... Kind of a dick move if I'm like asking her never to have sex with anybody but me when I mean I've I've been around and like okay so that's a little bit weird to think about and you know every time she cheated on me she felt awful I mean I felt awful too but she felt awful she I mean she clearly really felt terrible about it and mm-hmm. I'd been enough of a philanderer that I knew that you know you could feel authentically bad and still do it um, she didn't love me any less our sex life got better mm-hmm. every time because you know, I mean, because that's actually how it works in my experience. Um, it's and, true. And and, and, the, and every time she did it, it wasn't a time when I, you know, it wasn't like she was ditching me to go fuck somebody. It was, it was, uh, you know, time I wasn't with her anyway. Like it wasn't, I wasn't actually losing anything. So I started thinking about it in terms of, well, I want to be with this girl. How do I make it work? And this really sucks. This hurts every time. But what's it actually costing me? Like, what's the damage that's actually being caused here? And I started thinking about it. I was like, oh, it's it's the breach of trust, right? Mm. She's, she's breaking the agreed rules. And I suddenly went, well, fuck then. Why don't we just change these stupid rules and like just make it okay, and then I won't feel betrayed, um, which she was totally into until I slept with somebody else and then we broke up. Um, mm. She wasn't the one, at all, as it turned out. Um, lovely woman. Um, and so that's how I got on the road to polyamory, and it took me a couple of years and a little bit more being a dick while I was trying to figure out how to do it right, and then a girl that had the misfortune of being with me while I was really trying to figure this stuff out handed me a copy of the ethical slut um which is a gateway book for a lot of people mm-hmm. um she handed me a copy of it um at, when we broke up for like the last time and uh, inscribed on the inner cover was um <laughs> so you don't hurt anyone else as much as you hurt me Jesus. so it wasn't it wasn't given in like
0: <laughs> wasn't gonna, hey, I think you'll you'd really like <laughs> no, this. No, it's
3: like here's an instruction here's an instruction manual on how to not be an asshole asshole. Um, but it totally changed my life. Um, uh, it's uh, I, I still think it's a great book. Not super well written, but
1: well, it's like one of those uh, mentioned in the in the previous one. There's a lot of these self help type books. There's a lot of books that spend a lot of time talking you into saying, you know, this is actually okay to feel this way. And Mm -hmm. and the ethical slut is amazing um, Mm -hmm. and also spends a lot of time, you know, telling you it's okay to feel this way. Um, And for a lot of people, I think that that's that's really helpful, Mm -hmm. you know, because you've come through this through a lot of shame Mm -hmm. and through a lot of, like, why can't I just – keep it in my pants or why (laughs) i'm supposed to just like love one person forever and that's supposed to it's supposed to be that it's supposed to be the fairy tale when in reality most people whether they identify as poly or not have some experience of loving two people at the same time Mm -hmm. you know or falling in love with someone while they're still in love with someone else Mm -hmm. and what does that mean does that mean one relationship has to end before you can start another that's what we're taught um and uh yeah so I think you know there's a reason why all these books you know, you go like it's okay it's okay it's mm-hmm. okay
3: it was, it was huge it was, it was told it was a huge life changer to read yeah. that being given permission being told that I wasn't alone mm. you know yeah, that there are right. not only people doing this there are people who have been doing it for a while and people who have figured out yeah. some ways to do it that seem to be working okay for them
1: and there's a historical precedent too this grew out of somewhat of the you know the free love movement mm-hmm. um uh Dossie Easton and, uh, and Litz, Litz, oh, what's the first oh, one? One of them's a. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, anyway. The author. Catherine something. Uh, Litz, Litz. Okay. L I D S T. Um, okay. and, and anyway, the, uh, uh, the uh, The ethical slut uh, has a sentence in it um, that says uh, something about they they are calling this polyamory to sound less like the aging hippies they are. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's not it's not too different from free love. I mean, that's actually pretty close I mean, to what we're talking about here. Only a little bit more like you know, a little more grounded than that because we are going to talk
0: about these things. Right. A little more
3: structured. Structured. Yeah. Yeah. A
0: lot more superego as opposed to the straight id current. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: So most of the time.
0: <laughs>
1: I've been to some parties. <laughs> um, <laughs> were, were we talking about id personification the other day? Like what our oh, Id, we ids were. would look like? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, we were talking about <laughs> that, but not on this podcast. <laughs> 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 um,
0: so that's how you got.
3: That's how I got there, okay. and 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 you know, and then it was just trial and error for years, and then, uh, then I got married to, <laughs> and then my first really what I would say successful polyamorous relationship was, um, uh, the, the woman I ended up marrying, who was Mormon when we started hanging out, and, uh, I think that, it's been said by some people, and I think there's some truth to it that that, um, that that might have actually made it a little bit easier for her. She ended up leaving the church early on in our relationship, which was which was not surprising. And uh, we were together nine years, and we were married for three of those. And our relationship didn't end up carrying on that way. Uh, getting married totally ruined it. Completely ruined a perfectly good relationship. <laughs> but we were poly the whole time, and that that worked throughout. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, that was it was uh, that was the like the most successful part of our relationship was mm-hmm. was that we were really pretty good at being poly together. Um. What was the other thing that you wanted us to talk about? Oh, uh, being, being a, a
0: secondary. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, I mean, whatever you guys feel comfortable discussing about that. I mean, it's because, it, again, as somebody who is, like, all this is, like, brand new information to me, and it's like that I, I, I would love to know what it's like to call someone a secondary partner or be a secondary partner knowing that, you know, there's another relationship going on.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and being connected to that relationship. Well, it's well, you guys get along great.
3: Well, yeah. Are, you, are we using your husband's name?
1: I I without having spoken to him, okay, we'll just and call he him he is in fact cooking.
0: Yes, he is. He is, <laughs> he is busy <laughs> making <laughs> his, his. He's being a good s- husband. Special
1: stew right now with a lot of.
0: Delicious. He has culinary skills. He does. Guy. He yeah. really
1: does. Th- those he's caramelizing onions right now and. Like, they, they do could,
0: smell ridiculously.
3: Yeah, I wish a just, way you could in. smell a or smel- or,
0: vision podcast.
3: That's a thing. There's, that's, a, okay, that's maybe a, a, a digression. <laughs> digressing to Yeah, a that, that, bit. but it is a thing. There are wow. people doing that. Yeah, that's um, cool. um,
0: smell of the month club. <laughs> <laughs> Open um, this um, jar. But... Sniff something. <laughs> hey, oh my it's gosh. ravioli. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, man, they sent me feet Ravio? again. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Birdie Bots every flavored smell. smells. No. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh my god. I don't. I wouldn't. I don't think I would sign up for
3: that. <sighs> I, I would, and I would, would. share it with you. <laughs> you would. I would totally. share it with you, with or without your consent. Oh my um, god.
1: That's a good basis for a relationship. I know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, um, go ahead.
3: Well, it's it's interesting because, so, Chelsea and I have been sort of. Uh, we've had some struggles. Not between us. The sort of externalities have made it kind of kind of tricky for us to get this relationship off the ground. Mm-hmm. And none of them having to do with uh, with uh, her husband, um, who has been almost frighteningly supportive and patient with with the I don't want to say drama, but the
0: it's drama the, circumstances.
3: The <laughs> circumstances surrounding surrounding Chelsea and I starting this. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, recently. My primary partner and I, um, which is not my wife that I mentioned a little bit ago, she and I separated a while back. Um, my, my girlfriend and I recently broke up, and um, it, this was largely due to, um, despite the fact that she and I uh, started our relationship polyamorous, like we were both married at the time when, when she and I got together, um, and that was sort of like one of the foundation stones. She ended up, at least for the time being, has lost her taste for the work. As it were, um, and uh, was struggling not not with Chelsea specifically, um, not with Chelsea as a person, um, but just with the whole the whole deal. She didn't feel like she could do it anymore. So we recently broke up, um, and you know, up through then, I mean, it's been about six months.
1: Yeah, six or seven months
3: that we've been kind of starting and you know, stopping like, and starting and yeah, stopping and
1: because a lot of that was, you know, we um, put things on hold mm-hmm. a couple times because of the you know, the the difficulties that, that she was kind of having with everything. And that's something you kind of have to be prepared to do, you right. know. Um, so that, yeah.
3: I mean, that, that is actually part of, part of the deal, too, of being, I mean, because right now I'm without a primary, but I had one. And, you know, so Chelsea was my secondary for a while. And it's kind of, that's one of the things that comes with being a secondary is, is that, you know, if um, hubby, <laughs> uh, became uncomfortable for whatever reason. I mean, it would be. I I feel it would be incumbent on me to give as much space as I, as I could, you know, do. And mm-hmm. like, I mean, that's a balancing act all the time. And and Chelsea was, a fucking saint through the last six months. <laughs> that's um, very well, no, no. I mean, like it was hard. And 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 my my recent ex is a wonderful woman we're still very close i was hanging out with her before i came over here um and
1: she's totally awesome
3: she's just she just really having a hard time and Mm -hmm. and chelsea instead of getting butt hurt or angry or or shitty about it just wasn't she was just like okay well we make space now and um i i feel really really lucky um all this is to say
1: and there there are i wanted to shoot (laughs) in there one quick thing um there is a pretty strong branch of uh polyamorous theory i guess uh, uh that believes in non-hierarchical relationships um and i we we not, both of us are, are very much not in that particular uh vein but um but there is a, there is a strain where you know it's kind of like well why do we privilege someone's needs over someone else's needs and we you know we're all human beings regardless of our level of preference mm-hmm. you know we you know why is why is our family different than someone else's family like you know we mm-hmm. should try to respect the humanity in everyone and and think about everyone's needs equally um which uh you know like i said we don't fall on that ground but that is a thing that happens and and people do try for non hierarchical relationships
3: i think the term non hierarchical is misused but i mean not not to disagree with what you're saying only that i dislike the the people who think that way use that term but that's kind of tangential too <laughs> they're lovely um, people <laughs> they're lovely people i well, and I can imagine. I mean, I can imagine being in a relationship that was more like a balanced triad of equal mm-hmm. partners or, you know, a quadrangle or like
1: Now we're back into polygons. We just yeah. words? <laughs> diagrams. Um,
3: diagrams. <laughs> polygon relationships. Um, it's just it's just not I haven't been in that space yet. And I'm I am most comfortable with a primary, and and then you know other relationships like I liked I I, I find some comfort in knowing where I stand, mm-hmm. frankly, and 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 um. So it's it's interesting that you ask what it's like being a secondary because this is really actually I'm in the very early stages of pretty much my first experience, being, a secondary when I was when my girlfriend my ex girlfriend and I started dating. She was married and I was married. So we were both technically each other's secondaries, but really frankly, we took to each other so hard,
2: mm. so
3: fast. And one of the mistakes we made was I think functionally prioritizing each other above our Everybody's spouses. Classes. I mean, and and yeah, that's a complicated thing that I don't really think we have time to really get into in detail, mm. but um we could have done a better job of being more intentional. Again, there's that word about about that because you know that's really confusing and hard for everybody when that happens. And so, right now I'm single, in terms of a primary partner, and then I I'm in this I'm a secondary to Chelsea, and that's really new for me. I've never been in that position. I've oh. most of my polyamory, my, most of my experience being poly has been me being you know, in in a you know married or in a significant you know life partnerish relationship, and then having other people, you know, coming into that space a lot of times. I've had the potentially poor judgment of dating single women largely. And I think that's, I mean, I think it's an interesting challenge because it's really easy if one doesn't have a primary to put all that energy that one would um, into one's, you know, whatever most significant partner one has at the time. And mm-hmm. if, you know, one is the secondary to that person, it's, I think it's kind of easy for the power dynamics to get skewed.
1: Um, we'll
3: see. right. So it's going to be an interesting, it's going
1: to be an interesting ride.
3: Um, yeah. I mean, it has been so far, at least interesting, kind of in the Chinese curse way so far. But, <laughs> but, um,
1: funny ha ha funny Chinese curse. Um, <laughs> right,
3: right. Um, but I, I am like half in love with Chelsea's husband anyway. He's such a good guy and we get along really, really well and, uh, um, are finding it, I think, I mean, other than our schedules, not matching it up, up at all. So he and I don't really get much. Like one-on-one FaceTime, um, I think we're finding it really, really surprisingly easy for for to, to navigate that end of it because we just really like each other.
2: Yeah,
3: which, just huge, and that's not always the case, and it, it can be really hard if that's. So I feel well, lucky. Jesus, basically. I can only imagine. Yeah, no, it can get ugly
1: fast. Yeah, and it's really uh, it's really good, I think, to focus on uh, the good intent of mm-hmm. people, and that's that's good, you know. It's advice from the poly battlefield, but it's good for, <laughs> for for any relationship, really. You know, like most decisions are not made um, maliciously. Most decisions are not um, made to to hurt. You know, your partner. Um, mostly, when you make bad decisions, you make them because you have a need that's not being met. Um, and if you can identify it before you make those bad decisions and ask for that need to be met most of the time, your partner is willing will be willing to to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to know what it is and know how to ask for it, um, all of which is to say, you know um, believing in the good intent of of Everybody. your partners goes a
0: long way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah well, this is sort of the perfect time for us to wrap up because we have a show to do um <gasps> but just in closing um Is there any, it's funny. I have like four questions. I'm trying to blend into one. One would be, um, I mean, what you just said, Chelsea is really valuable for anybody out there listening who is, you know, interested in polyamory or wanting to get their proverbial toes wet. Um, but would you guys sort of individually and collectively have any advice for anyone interested in experimenting with polyamory or trying it out? Um, and conversely, you know, any any polyamorous wisdom, um, you know, sort of pearls of wisdom to end <sighs> this particular episode with.
3: I have two. Do you want to go you, first?
0: No, you go ahead. You jump um, in. You got, you got it.
3: All right. All right. Um, one, for anybody thinking about it or doing it or whatever, any of the skills that one must develop to be successfully polyamorous are, I, I really firmly believe, skills that will benefit you in any kind of relationship mm-hmm. so if you're feeling experimental and you're not sure don't be afraid come on in because mostly we're friendly and anything that you learn doing this it's all about honesty and communication and being intentional and assuming the best out of people and all of these things that take it from the divorce attorney <laughs> will help your uh, your, uh, your monogamous relationship if that's where you end up landing um the other thing is everybody asks about jealousy we didn't talk oh, about they that at all. all here. Ask about That's How do you always handle jealousy? Question.
1: How do you ha- don't you get jealous? And is, yeah. the the
3: answer I've discovered is practice because it mm. sucks. Jealousy sucks. It's not a pleasant feeling. Very few people enjoy jealousy, and it's taken me most of twelve years to get to the point where, honestly, at this point, I can kind of get myself to being kind of turned on by jealousy. I've managed to eroticize Comfort it a little conversion. bit. Wow. Um, um, well, conversion's the good part. Like.
1: Well, but I think I think that's part of it too. I don't think that uh, there, there's not there, there could be a sexual element to compersion. Oh,
3: absolutely! Thank God. <laughs> yeah,
1: um, yeah. That's yeah. how the
3: best threesomes happen. I'm sure, like <laughs> a,
1: Jesus. Which I should tell. That, that's what I should tell my mom. <laughs> She's <was> like that. <laughs> what do you do threesomes? Yes, You're never possible. <laughs> said all the time. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's interesting. Jealousy. It's uh, that, that's such a big. That's, like, the first thing that people ask. And, un- and oddly enough, it's the last thing
0: we're going to talk about. And <laughs> it's kind of not
1: something that I think about that much, um, which is interesting because it's not that I don't have feelings of jealousy, but you have to, like I said, I mean, I've, I've, I've been, you know, I've been sexually active since I was 12 days past my, 12th, my uh, 13th birthday. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I... I I have never had a monogamous relationship. It was always it was always open and um so I think I, I kind of addressed a lot of that stuff early on, mm-hmm. but I I do still have feelings of jealousy. So um, <laughs> <laughs> um but it it uh it, for me I think I think jealousy is a symptom. Mm-hmm. Jealousy's mm-hmm. not a real emotion, right? Um if you feel jealous, what you really feel is afraid mm. or Um, you know lonely maybe Mm. or there's some kind of need that that you want and you can't asking someone to stop doing a particular thing or stop doing a particular person is uh, (laughs) is not gonna fix your jealousy because what is that's what that's coming from is a sense of of unfulfillment there's something Mm. there's something that you need from your partner you're not getting Mm -hmm. if you're getting everything you need from your partner and they're having fun with someone else, then you're like, yay, <laughs> you know, then it's great. Um, so so I think that uh, identifying that and being able to, to ask for that is, uh, is a really valuable tool, and mm-hmm. that's, that's, again, useful in um, monogamy. Um, uh, I was going to... I did have one thing that I was going to say, and I'm trying to remember it. I know we're probably running out of time. Yeah, we have two minutes. Two minutes, okay. Um, if you are... Considering being polyamorous, um, do your self work first.
2: Mm. Don't
1: be someone's poly tricycle. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't. <laughs> wow, that's what I think. No, really, I do, do. Sit down, and you can't ever be prepared for everything. But, 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 do Let's do begin the, the, process. the self the self work first, and then um, and, and process through. How would I feel if? How would I feel if? you know, what could I possibly experience if, do I know what my needs are? Am I comfortable asking for them? Um, and then, uh, if you can, if you can get to that point before you start trying to date multiple people, Mm -hmm. um, it'll be much easier because then you'll just have, you know, new challenges that are, that are unexpected (laughs) to to deal with and not any of the, the stuff that, um, kind of happens, you know, as, as a matter of trying to. Shake up your entire relationship
3: structure assumptions
1: metric thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. (laughs) I went to college. Did I mention that? I just Mm.
0: knowledge all over you. Yeah.
1: Smart (laughs) words.
0: Well, I think that's the perfect place to end because we do have to go take our clothes off to earn some money it's it's true it's true that's actually the God's honest <laughs> truth um, but I just want to thank the both of you so much for partaking in this discussion. I feel this is you know this is this is some super cool information that I hope can gain more traction and exposure in mainstream in a positive and balanced way. That was, Thank you for doing the good work to Absolutely. help that happen. This is doing what I can with what good, I got.
3: Good press is important.
1: <laughs> good press is important.
3: <laughs> we're, we're down the slippery slope, you know. And
1: it's not wife swap.
3: <laughs> no, no, it can be. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: All right. All right, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. And there you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed this very informational and I'm sure I and Mind opening episode. It was such a pleasure interviewing both Chelsea and Nate for this and uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you want to follow up with Nate and his legal practice his name is Nathan Kleiber and Kleiber is spelled C-L-I-B-E-R you can find Chelsea at her alter egos website that would be randyrascal.com and that is spelled R-A-N-D-I R-A-S-C-A-L dot com I asked them what some good books are, um, and I want to be sure, if you guys are interested in learning more about polyamory, to make notes of The Ethical Slut. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. I unfortunately forget who wrote it. Uh, but if you go onto Amazon, if you go onto the internet, and you type in The Ethical Slut, you will find the book. Um, also, there is a support group slash just group called Relationship Anarchy. They are apparently based here in Seattle, but I think they have chapters all over the U.S. So if you want to look up Relationship Anarchy, check that out. Two other books that are worth checking out for sure. One is called Opening Up. I did not find out the author's name about that. I'm sorry. Uh, And last but not least, although Chelsea did say this with great reservation because she disagrees with some of the points that the author makes, uh, but the book Sex at Dawn, and again, I'm totally failing in my role as a podcast uh, host in not giving you any of these people's names and the pathetic thing is I've totally heard the guy who wrote Sex at Dawn speak on several podcasts and I'm still forgetting his name so my apologies I don't have great internet access right now so I cannot hop on the magical interwebs but by all means please check out all of those uh, great resources And hey, I hope this helped open you up a little bit to all the different possibilities different relationships can take. Anyway, guys, thank you again so much for tuning in. I couldn't do this podcast were it not for you guys. Well, I could, but it wouldn't be as fun. So thanks again for listening. Please, by all means, have a fabulous week. Take care of yourselves, and get ready to tune in next week for a fresh new episode. Lots of love, guys. Take care. Thank you.